Hello, sexy souls. This is your host, Erika, K as in kinky. And in today's episode, my guest is Mr. Shaw. And we're going to explore positive objectification. And let me ask you a question first. Have you ever called yourself stupid? Have you ever told yourself that you're not enough? Have you ever believed of what people said? So let me give you a little backstory. We agreed to have a BDSM session prior to this podcast for social experiment purposes. And I wanted to explore what it would be like to be humiliated for my own entertainment and curiosity, but mostly curiosity. I have come from a place where I've been bullied, I was slut-shamed, and I also come from abuse and being a former dominatrix. And so as I'm 30, I'm exploring what it's like to have healthy boundaries, how it's like to have a healthy and positive BDSM experience. And when I went to sit down with Mr. Shaw, I was asking him, call me stupid, humiliate me. I want to hear what that feels like. And in our session, I learned so much about myself by actually having him completely reverse, change the neurology, change the pathway of my psychology and what it's like to actually receive devotion, receive appreciation, receive a healing experience that really, really completely shifts my dynamic, my communication, my commitment to my sexual health and awareness. And in today's episode, we are going to explore that with Mr. Shaw. We're going to learn more about his background, who he's worked with, in terms of mentors and just hear more about his um, experiences from from coming from the Marines to a sexless marriage to discovering his awakening through BDSM. And we are going to dive into this rabbit hole with me. I invite you to come on this ride with me of exploring what it's like to encounter the dark spaces of our mind. So welcome, Mr. Shaw, to Project Black. Hello, sexy souls. This is Erika, your host for Project Black. And I'm here to interview my favorite guest, Mr. Shaw. And he is known as a pro-dom at the Dom Collective. And he has a very amazing background. I believe he was in the military. and I wasn't in the military. I was in the Marine Corps. Okay. He was in the Marine Corps. And again, I am just happy to announce my guest, Mr. Shaw. Right. Just Mr. Shaw. Mr. Shaw. Mr. Shaw. Top Mr. Shaw. Top. That's the website. Because uh, believe it or not, I was looking up, trying to find my URL and, uh, you know, .com was taken, all this other stuff. And then they gave me like 30 more to choose from. And I saw .top instead of .com. And I was like, oh, I'm totally taking that. Because, you know, you're topping when you're doming. So. Yeah. Usually. So one of my first questions in every interview is what turns you on about what you do? Oh, okay. Um, 
what turns me on? Like sexually or sensually? Because or like what do I get out of doing a BDSM session what do you, pro- professionally? Yes. What do you get from doing a BDSM session? Well, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, for me, it's not about sex. It doesn't matter whether I'm attracted to the person or not. What matters is that energy and that dance between two people. And I think it's always gratifying to me, especially with women, when they leave a comment or review about how they feel like, felt like they got some healing out of it or they got therapy out of it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not really, I'm not the one doing the healing. I'm just creating an environment for them to heal themselves, opening them up you know, giving them new information, cracking them open. And then, uh, you know, I really love that about the work. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can hear that you're very passionate because you talk about, you know, doming these women and they're having this healing experience. And what makes this episode so very unique is I'm putting a twist on this episode. And so I created a social experiment. And in case you don't know my background, I used to be a former dom. And so I'm not used to submitting surrender. I'm not used to um, releasing my control. And so Previous to this podcast, I was having this moment where I was thinking, you know what, I want to be a sub. I want to submit to someone. And when I heard about Mr. Shaw, which we met through the Evolved Masculine through Dustin Garrett, I wanted to experience what is a BDSM session. And so what makes this episode very unique is that I wanted to experience like what would it feel like to actually submit so I'm here to talk about my experience with you in the aftermath Um, so do you want to tell our audience from your perspective what was your experience of dominating me is that okay to say yeah 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 yeah. like I Um, feel like I have to like kind of be careful with my words Um, why is that because we're living in the Me Too era, and it gets... Well, there's a big difference between what the state attorney general for New York did by just going up and grabbing his girlfriends, choking them, and beating them. That wasn't consensual. Uh, it wasn't even close to being consensual. You and I had a sh- crap load of consent. We had mm. a big, long conversation for like 45 minutes about what you wanted to happen and safety words and mm-hmm. triggers and... You know, we talked about all this, so everything we did was mm-hmm. understood, and nothing was going to happen that you didn't want to happen or you didn't agree to happen. And you also had the right to change your mind at any point. So that is way different than the story people have around BDSM. Mm-hmm. And a few hours ago, what happened is I was sitting on this couch. Actually, we're sitting on your couch right now. Yeah, we're right back to <laughs> square one. We're back to square one, and. A few, how many hours? That was like two hours ago. Yeah, it was a two hours. It was like two hours, and before that, I was just kind of like very neutral and not really knowing what to expect, um, because again, I'm so used to like kind of going with the flow, and I'm a perfectionist, and I actually ended up crying during our session, and so I want to kind of guide the audience into, you know, what this like scene was. Um, well, I'm. I'm typically a a sensual primal dom Mm -hmm. in that way. I'm more wolf-like, you know, there might be bites or bites on the neck, very vampiric and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. (laughs) So just to speak into that, when you were doing that, I was thinking, dude, you're my friend. It's just because I also know Mr. Shaw. Um, 
is that okay if I yeah. talk about yeah. it? Yeah, yeah I, I've always seen him as like such a nurturer. Like he's super, super sweet, and he has this very intense green eyes. And um, when you talk about vampiric, I like yeah. imagine that you're like wanting to be a vampire. And I've actually really loved the movie Twilight. Some people probably don't like it, but right. when you were doing that, it was like, wow, this is feels like I'm in a Twilight scene. Yeah. I mean, look, Midori has a great definition or uh, – look, if you ever get a chance to take a class with Midori, you go do it. Just drop everything and go take that class. But she did a, a thing on feminine dominance and you know, I was one of the few guys that were there. Big mistake, gentlemen, because I learned a crap load about women on that class. But the deal is is that fetish – you know, people think, oh, it's a foot fetish or the leather fetish. But there's one definition of fetish that most people don't know. And really, it's about being a magical totem that transports you to another place, time, or person. So do you want to be the nurse? Do you want to be the doctor? Do you want to, you know, be the master or the slave? And in your case, you got taken back into this moment in this movie and became someone else. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's the great thing about what we do is we can transport people to another place, mm. have them explore their edges, things they would never not normally do. I mean, you got triggered in the middle of the set, the scene, mm-hmm. um, and you got triggered. I think I broke out a couple knives mm-hmm. and I started grinding them together right near your ear. Uh-huh. And then you had a trigger, you uh-huh. said from something that happened eight years when you were eight years old. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know we're like skipping huge chunks of the movie of the yeah. the scene, so I was very casual. I was really strong. I was play- like being very bratty, and I you are bratty, <laughs> Jesus! I had to because I barely knew you. I really couldn't inflict the pain I wanted to to break you, but and I mean break in a very good way to get her to really. When I say break, I mean getting her out of her head. So. Okay, but keep going. You know what? Actually, let's anticipate the scene. Let's let's kind of talk about everything else, and and then okay. let's wait till right. we drop the boom. On sure. This. So we basically started doing negotiation or mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my goal in that is to create a bit of a container where everyone feels safe, including me, because I want to make sure this person isn't insane. I want to make sure this person can take care of themselves. And so there are questions I want to ask. Mm -hmm. I want to see what mood you're in and check in with myself. What mood Mm -hmm. am I in? Um, And then also, where do you want to go? You know, do you want to be, um, you know, do you want to be the little slave submissive to the master? Or do you want to be, um, I know this will freak people out, but sometimes, you know, I've had people want to be the 12-year-old babysitter and have the daddy come in and catch her masturbating. I'm like, all right, let's go. Well, you know, we're not raping 12-year-olds. We're pretending. And uh, so... So this could be triggering for some people to hear? It Maybe we need to do a trigger warning, I would guess. A trigger um, warning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but the thing is, is everything is consensual. Everything... In a good BDSM scene, everything is talked about, especially... Being a professional, I was actually doing what I would do in a professional. I was writing stuff down, right? I was writing mm-hmm. stuff down to make sure I had it all down. Oh, your questions were amazing. Yeah, well, it's taken. Uh, I've taken a lot of classes, and I've heard from a lot of good yeah. professionals that really know what they're doing. And so, so I wanted to share something vulnerable. I I said that what I wanted was to be called stupid, which is really strange because I'm all about personal development. I write affirmations, and in case you don't know, my intention for 
um, Project Black is to talk about the shadow. I, I bring up Black because I my hypothesis is that Black is the kinky chakra. We all have developmental issues. Red is the root chakra. Yellow is solar plexus. Orange is sexual. And so for me, when I dived into this, I wanted to kind of bridge the gap between spirit and kink. And so I know several people are doing it and coming from a very Catholic, Mexican Catholic. I was never taught about these things. And now that, you know, I finally was able to start speaking, I'm like, oh my God, I want to talk about sex. But not only sex, I want to dive into the taboo. And so when we talk about this, I'm learning so much about myself at at 30 I feel like I'm just now learning what the world is yeah and it's such a canvas and actually this this experience for me was incredibly healing so thank you really yeah because I guess it's been a couple hours since we sessioned and I told you stuff is going to start coming up Mm -hmm. I mean we were getting rushed because you had another appointment or something like that afterwards but Mm -hmm. um well let's just get back to the negotiation I was asking you questions about triggers about you know, what will I see in here if you're having a good time? What will I see in here if you're not having a good time? What kind of aftercare do you want? How do you like to be grabbed or touched? Like, hey, I'm not going to... Can I curse in this? Yeah. Okay. So I'm <laughs> not going to touch your pussy. I'm not going to grab it, right? I'm telling you right away. But like, do you want a riding crop to touch it? Do you want the floggers to touch it? Do you want, you know, the rope to touch it? And you're like, you... I gave you choices. And if you mm-hmm. said, no, no, I don't want anything going down there, that's... I would have respected that. But you were like, no, no, you can touch it. And you can, you know... And I was like, cool. The whole goal is to build that trust and that communication And also to let that other person know. And look, we all have fears. But when a woman is doing something like this and submitting herself to a man, let's face it, with Me Too, with all this other stuff, there's a lot more loaded shit that comes along with that. So I take extra, extra steps to build that trust and that safety in there to make that person, that woman, feel safe to let go. Mm. And so... it's it's interesting you say letting go and during our session I can't believe I was resisting like the majority of the time until that epic scene happened. Yeah. And you know to speak into that I definitely understand that living in this era can be very scary for both parties for men and for women and guys are still trying to like ask like how can I touch you without a woman shell- uh yelling out rape or a woman being in an interesting situation with, you know, ropes and all of a sudden maybe she'll go into that headspace where she'll remember a trauma and it'll sure. trigger her back into that memory. Luckily, sure. I can decipher and, you know, di- distinguish when I'm in reality versus fantasy. Well, I can talk to, oh, there's so much right there I can talk about. Um, you know, first of all, one of the things that you mentioned, both people can be scared. And that's another reason why I do the negotiation and the conversation is because I want to make sure that I have a hell yes to do these things. Mm. And so I have a hell yes to do this. I have a hell yes to swat your pussy with a riding crop if I wanted to or to do this or to do that. Um, I also had a hell yes. I think I asked you a bunch of things. I'm like, hey, there's something I want to pull out at the last minute. And I kind of want to surprise you with it. But you get a chance. That's another thing. I kept telling you what you had the right to change your mind. Right in the middle of the scene. Mm-hmm. Also, we talked about safety words that could slow something down, pause it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I respected those safety words. Um, also, I wanted to make sure you knew how to take care of yourself. So many times a submissive, especially a first-time submissive, or somebody who's new, will do whatever the dom wants. You know, they, they want to please that dom. Even though they're not a hell yes. 
And I always say, like I was asking you, are you a hell yes to try? Right? We were getting mm-hmm. ready to do something. And I think um, we were right in the middle of it. And I was like, do you want to try this? And I said, you know, you were like, yeah. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. I need you to know, are you a hell yes to at least try? Mm-hmm. And you were like, yes. Mm-hmm. And I could tell. And you I looked at my, you looked at my face. Yeah, and, and my I was face like, got... and I said, I want a hell yes. Uh-huh. Is it a hell yes? Yeah. And then you were like, yeah, yeah, sure. And I'm like, that's not a hell yes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is that a hell yes? One more time. And then you were like, well, maybe we should wait to another time. Yeah. Now I'm not suggesting that every guy has to go through all that. Like ask her three times, like you shall not pass, you shall not, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. But the important thing mm-hmm. is, I could tell that you were trying to get to hell yes and I could tell you weren't getting there. That's mm-hmm. why I kept asking to make sure and then we realized it wasn't a hell yes. Uh, I always say maybe is not a hell yes. Yeah, yeah sure is not a hell yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at her body language too. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the, okay. Well, and that's another thing I was going to talk about was um, I think it's really difficult for men right now in this respect. I mean, look, we have male privilege and all that other stuff. We could talk about that but you know, I've, I've heard men say, oh, you know, or I've had it happen to me a long time ago where um, I would ask a woman, can I kiss you? And the woman would be like, just shut up and kiss me, right? Now, I've had women go, oh, thank you for asking. But then I've had a woman, just, just shut up and kiss me. And so men are confused right now. Like one woman says, just shut up and kiss me. Don't even ask. And then you have other women that are like, oh, thank you for doing that. Or like, why didn't you ask? Mm-hmm. And I think you're, what you were saying, it's all about body language, mm-hmm. but then it's also how you ask, you know, um, it's how you do it. I, I think, can I get a kiss is a lot different than you really want to kiss me right now, don't you? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there's it's all a, about tone. Exactly. And, and so if you're coming from a position of power, you're not asking, you're just sitting there, you're, you're asking, but you're asking in a way that's, mm. you know, bringing her in. And if she goes, oh, I'm not ready for that, then you're like, cool, great. But you didn't ask it in a way that's going to make someone turn them off. Mm-hmm. But uh, just finishing up with negotiation, again, I think I already talked about it. It gives me freedom. Consent, negotiation gives me freedom to really explore and go there because I have the consent now. But I also, you also get a chance to change your mind in the middle of it. That's important. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm so excited to talk about this specific scene because I think it would be very educational to people that are kind of exploring BDSM or even submissives that are, you know, wanting to explore that side, especially if you're very used to being in your masculine or in your control. And I know from experience, I'm so used to everything being perfect. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning about me. Like, I didn't know that I like to be called, you know being humiliated Mm -hmm. and there's something that you said that it was super golden in the middle of a scene or before yeah in the middle of like during because well because you asked i want to be called stupid yeah because in the past when you were called stupid by parents or other people you would freeze and you wanted to see what the deal was and i think in the middle of it i realized i was like you're wanting me to call you stupid. What would I say? I can't you even You called remember. it positive objectification. Oh, no. Okay. I do do. I do two things. Positive objectification and positive humiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I felt like you were like this epic life coach, like coaching me to feeling like empowered. And it was beautiful. Just like, you know, you had the ropes around my, my nipples or something. And you were just coaching me to feel empowered. And you're like, you're not stupid. You know, you were just, 
you were sharing how like that that's not true. That's not who I am. And you completely shifted my my lexicon, my language around that. Yeah, I could was, tell I really received it. Yeah, really well. I really received it. And most people would be like, What what's going on? I'm you're supposed to call me this thing. But I actually received it in a very healthy way. Well, I tend to be very verbal in my scenes. I don't use music usually, um, because the whole goal what I like to do is I like to say I want to crack you open, dump in new programming, and then close you back up in a, in the right way. Um, in the right, there's a right way to close someone back up, and there's a very disjointing way to close someone back up. Like you want to make sure you have good aftercare to kind of seal it all together and put it all. Um, we could talk about that. Heck, you could ask, ask Orpheus about that. But but so in case you don't know, Orpheus is going to be our other guest. And um, he actually made some flogs that Mr. Shaw used. Yeah, Orpheus made one. Custom yeah, made I'm They're very, amazing. very excited for that guest because he's known for Fireplay. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna get Fireplay for the first time, have Mr. Orpheus, have Orpheus Black do it because I, I took my first fire lesson with him and he's he's quite amazing mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, I still have a lot of practice to do. I always like to say Orpheus will forget more things than I'm ever gonna know because he's been doing this for decades and and uh, you know his skill level is is really quite good and and he's mm-hmm. he's very sensual in his stuff as well like I am but I have nothing but respect for the man he's he's quite amazing mm-hmm. so but yeah absolutely and I can't wait for us to talk about that um in terms of like you know you ha- you learn so many things like the the flogs and ropes and just my my curiosity where this is leading me is like what got you into doing this like why this why it is a job or got into bdsm in general bdsm in general okay well first of all you have to understand i used to be a born again fundamental street preaching christian i was a dick um i got married as a virgin at 27 to a 24 year old virgin and i was still a virgin till i was 30 i'll let you do the math on that there you go good so basically, I was married for three years before I even had sex, and I didn't have sex with my wife. I had sex with a 19-year-old stripper on the side of the I-85 in Hickory, North Carolina, or in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, and that's a whole another story. You can go. My to My mouth just went wide open. Yeah, you can go to my podcast at Sex Safari, and uh, we talk about that in I think the intro or so. I well, I don't talk about the 19-year-old stripper. I don't think. But anyway, the point is, is I came from a very sexually dysfunctional kind of background, and. And it wasn't until I was 38, I'm 48 now, but it wasn't until I was 38 till I recognized, oh, I had ADD and my wife and I were having a lot of problems and our communication improved and, and we went through this big reawakening in our, in our lives where I realized that I was allowed to talk about sex openly because whenever I would talk about sex, she would get really super, super insecure or if I would, if she, look, let's face it, if I, if I noticed a waitress at the restaurant we were eating at, no matter how much I played it off you women always realize that we just saw the waitress and we thought she was hot there's nothing we can do about it we can try to play it off and that cool but we you know and the thing is she'd get really upset because she wouldn't know what i was thinking she'd be like do you think our waitress is pretty and i'm like oh no 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 because if i would have said it she would have blown up but one of the things she started realizing is that the more she allowed me to be open 
and just speak what I'm thinking and feeling, it actually made her more secure because she's like, wow, you're not hiding anything from me. I'd rather know that you think that girl is cute or pretty or, you know, if I'm in the middle of an acting scene and I'm really having this amazing intimate connection with my actress or the, the actress across from me, she actually appreciated knowing about it and how we touched each other. And in fact, our communication got so good around year 10 that she would help me in scene. She's like, ooh, throw her up against the wall and rip off her blouse and then do this and that in the scene. And and I would practice on her and then I'd go do it in the scene and everybody would be like, god damn, that was hot. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like we started this new communication. And then we got into swinging and ethical non-monogamy and then we moved from North Carolina out here to California and we met this couple off of a swing website, swinging, and uh, we, you know, sat down to dinner with them, and we had the, like, what do you do? And they kind of looked at each other and go, well, we're professional doms. We're like, what's that? And they explained it to me, like, whips, all kinds of other stuff, and they work in a dungeon. I'm like, ooh, like on kink.com, and he's like, oh, I know the owner, and I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, watching kink.com, watching one of those kink videos, when I first watched one, I was horrified that someone was getting beaten and tied up and she was screaming and crying and all this stuff. And I was horrified while I was watching this, but I couldn't take my eyes away because it was like, I, I think I skipped forward a little bit. And then they had an interview at the end where the woman was like, oh, it was fantastic. I love when he did this. I love when he shoved the dildo down my throat and gagged me. And I, I love when he, you know, spanked me with the floggers and, you know, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And I was like, what? She liked it? Uh-huh. And not only did she like it, she's thrilled about it. And she had a good time. And and then I went and watched a whole one where they, they have this conversation, negotiation in the beginning of like, what do you want to try? What don't you want to try? Um, they talked about safety words. And then, of course, they had the, the aftercare portion where – the woman recounts about how much fun she had or, or whatever. And uh, I thought, wow, there's more to this than I thought. And so when that couple was like, we're pro-doms, we went back to their house and they strung Monica up and hung her. Um, it was Shibari and she was kind of floating in the air with her face down, kind of floating like she was laying down. And we all kind of touched her and grabbed on her after they got her up. But it was interesting how it was very sensual and how it was very – beautiful it wasn't all slappy hitty sharpie owie it was more it wasn't like that it was very beautiful and I was like wow this is nice and then they invited us to a few parties and then uh, my wife and I became polyamorous long story short but she got pregnant with her boyfriend's baby moved out and then my very next girlfriend after that was a woman who was a dominatrix and I said I met her on OkCupid, and she wasn't going to go out with anybody, but I said – she said she was a pro-dom. She was into BDSM, and I'm like, oh, do you know this guy, such and such? And when Monica and I slept with this couple years ago before this, they had a cage by their bed, and I asked him. I said, what's the cage for? He goes, oh, that's for my slave, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, come to find out, this woman, when I said, oh, this guy, I I know this guy. I'm friends with him. She goes – Oh, that cage beside his bed, that was for me. I was the slave. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, that's a small world. And uh, A small world and a cage. <laughs> yeah, in a cage. And she said, because you know Eric, then I know you're a good guy and I'll go out with you. And so she was interested in polyamory and so I took her to a polyamory class and at the Stock Room, which is a big BDSM fetish store. And then, in LA. Yeah, in LA. Mm-hmm. And then we went to a BDSM 101 class taught by Snow Mercy. And then I did my first tie and, 
And uh, I wanted to do the rope thing. She took me to Bar Sinister, which is like a goth club that has a, a little mini dungeon upstairs. And, you know, I said, oh, I want to try that rope thing. And she goes, okay, if you want to learn how to tie, you have to be tied yourself. So we stopped off at Home Depot, got – I know they call it Dom Depot, but we bought a bunch of rope, came back home, and she tied me up, hog tied me, and – I was like, okay, this is pretty cool, and so. Oh, so you've been a sub. Well, no, she you, topped me. I was. She topped you. Let's be very okay. clear. Mm-hmm. There, a lot of people. Um, being a top versus a bottom means that you are someone who is giving and receiving. You can actually top. You can actually top Dom from the bottom. You can mm-hmm. have someone doing something to you and make them doing it in the right sort of way, mm-hmm. right? And so the thing is, is the Dom submissive thing is not always equal to topping and bottom. I wasn't submitting to her. Mm. I was just bottoming and let her, letting her tie me up. She's actually, even though she'll Dom professionally, she's a submissive in, in real life. So she was topping me, but she wasn't doming me. Okay, so again, what is the difference between topping and doming? Is well, that... doming is an attitude. Doming, now, it's an attitude. Well, hold on. Let me just be very clear that Orpheus and Galen will have much better answers than I do. Let me just be very clear. Galen is another one of our speakers on this show. Exactly. Yeah. So I just – they're going to do a much better job of just explaining this. But um, essentially it's it's more like a submissive dominant relationship. Is that relationship only in the bedroom? Is that relationship maybe when they go out to a dungeon or is it 24-7? And then you have a master-slave dynamic which is even higher protocol. It's even – there's even more things around it uh, that are involved. and Or you might have someone – like essentially, even though I'm a pro-dom, if I'm in a session, I, I'm essentially just topping her. I'm not her dom. Mm-hmm. You know, Although I've had people come and like, oh, will you be my master or sir? They start serving me and mastering me right away. But if someone comes up to you and immediately thinks they're going to be your dom, run away. That person has n- – they have no understanding of what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a – if you're – it takes a while to earn or it should take a while to earn the respect to be called someone's dom. You need to earn the respect and of that submissive. That is not a just walk up and I'm, I'm your dom now. Well, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Just because you just, they're a submissive doesn't mean you're automatically a dom. So if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, God, we're all I, over the place, aren't we? Yeah, we have so much to talk about, and I feel like we're we're ready to talk about the epic scene now. Okay, because so, I really wanted people to get to okay. know who you are, and I now finally get why you say, you know, you're into topping. Um, I, I always think of toppings like pepperoni on a pizza. Yeah. No, no, I don't. I mean, I was essentially like. Okay, when I meant topping, it meant, hey, let's just say I put you up and I flogged you. I'm topping you right there. Mm-hmm. In the scene, that was more, that was doming. I was dominating you and stuff. But sometimes, like if I go to Bar Sinister and a woman comes up and wants to be flogged, I'll flog her for five, ten minutes. I'm topping her. I'm not doming her. Mm-hmm. Doming, again, is an attitude. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as much, and, it should be And master topping. something, you have to get to that um, point of respect. Yes, I honestly, Orpheus is, and Galen are the perfect people to talk about. Mm-hmm. If those are the questions you should ask them, those guys, because mm-hmm. I've never really done the master slave. 20, that's the thing, just because I'm a professional, just because I get paid to 
do this doesn't mean I'm the smartest kid on the block. Mm-hmm. I have mentors that I listen mm-hmm. to and talk to. I will go to one of Orpheus's classes if he's teaching one. Even though I'm doing this for a living now, I'm still going to that man's class. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love I can... how you you pay so much respect to your mentors. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the two mentors I have right now are Hudsey Hahn and uh, Isabella Sinclair. Um, but it's kind of like. Yeah, like Midori and him, and there are several other BDSM educators. You don't want to miss their classes. It doesn't matter who you are, because you're always going to learn something from mm-hmm. them. Um, but getting back to the scene, so basically, I wanted to be able to. One of the things I tend to do is I'm very heart centered when I start the scene, mm-hmm. and that's Actually, why the first thing that I remember is I was um, kind of standing in the middle of the living room and mm-hmm. you were having me like kind of turn over and you were like, I was objectifying ob- you. You were object- objectifying me. Yeah. Um, I personally just think you were just making not an observation. I was like, oh, I like, you know, I like your brown skin. And- well, right. I, I call it objectification to kind of break down some things or maybe even raise up barriers. But what I'm doing is I'm making you feel seen. A lot of women don't feel seen. And I was wanting you to know that I was seeing you in a non-judgmental way. I wasn't judging your curves yeah. or the belly fat or the, the, <laughs> the crooked eyes on the face that some people, everyone's asymmetrical. I'm very asymmetrical, but I always try to pick out things that actually are things that you're not feeling good about mm. because mm-hmm. I want you to know that I see all of you and you're not just those things. You're not just the, the little bit of squish in your belly. You're not the crooked nose that you don't like if that's a thing. And and I just do that to make you feel heard. Mm. That's my first thing. Mm-hmm. So I really liked, I really love that part, just how you guided me into this experience, this journey of the unknown. So we went from that to then the ropes. Put, well, then I put my hand on your heart. Yeah, you put my, your hand on my heart. And I sit there and hold your hands and I want to eye gaze for a little bit and get you breathing with me. Which is you. very tantric. Yeah, exactly. And, and getting you to I like using bits of all the things even though I'm a humular hum even though I'm a secular humanist, um I still believe that the energy flow and the and the connection and the intimacy is very important. And so putting my hand on your heart, usually if you put your hand on someone's heart and you do what I was doing, you can almost get them to calm down. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and like putting like little circles as you're mm-hmm. like right now I'm trying to yeah. do it, putting my hand on your heart and I'm yeah. like kind of doing a yeah it's very circular. cathartic it's it feels very, really nice yeah yeah and so <laughs> i was just i always workshop on women if i'm if i'm sleeping with them or whatever i'm like let me try this you know or whatever or they're like what are you doing i'm like i don't know I'm just trying this out and i'm like oh that works um but the goal was to connect with you eye to eye and do a lot of eye gazing and usually what happens right in the middle of that i know when you're ready to go mm-hmm. and usually i get this little smirk on my face i'm like here we go and and, uh, you know, then I spin you around, put my hand over your heart and have your hand over my hand and just let that energy. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to get you to relax. You know, I kind of shake you a little bit and let you to fall into mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then, yeah, we move on. And then know, I started to, yeah. And then I think I started discovering that I'm a brat. I don't know what I was yeah. saying, but I did. Um, I think I was just trying to like do things to get a rise out of you. Right. Right. And, yeah. and, you know. The thing is, is I have to be careful to make sure that I'm not, um, that I'm not letting you make me angry to where I'm doing something that you really want me to do. Like, 
I'm just going to get him to spank me because I'm going to be a brat about it. If I'm like, no, I'll put your ass in the corner and just ignore you for a while. And that's even, mm-hmm. that's the worst thing you can do to a submissive, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they love being punished and yeah. spanked and, you know, tie. I'm going to tie you up. Oh, yes, please. Oh, I think there was something you said, actually. You said, oh, if you if you do this and I will end the scene. And I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah, if, you I come don't... Out, if you come out of your ropes, the scene is over. Oh, as soon as he said that, like the goosebumps, even right now yeah. as I'm talking, I feel goosebumps. Yeah. I said, wow, I did not know how much power that little sentence had over me. Yeah. I was like, I don't want this to end. Exactly. I want to keep playing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, yeah. And then my rope style is very sensual. It's, it's not your typical shibari where you put someone on their knees and you start trying to do a three rope go take as you're going to suspend them and every friction, every knot has to be perfect. This is more, I just want to wrap you up and move you around and dance with you. And so hopefully you felt that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I did. I felt that. And then when you took me to the mirror, so he has this kind of like this full length mirror. Yeah. And that's when you were like coaching me and empowering me. And I felt like you really got to the root why I wanted to be humiliated and called right. stupid. Right. I think that's um, where I realized that, no, this isn't what you really want. This is what you want. I, Because what I like to do is I like to put someone in the mirror and I stand behind them and whisper into their ear. And we just get rid of all the bullshit. You're tied up. You've got, you know, the fat and the squishy parts don't look the best because the rope is compressing on everything. <laughs> and But I have you. I have your attention. When I have you tied up like that, I have your attention now. And I can get you to focus and hopefully, well, you said you got a little clarity. You Mm -hmm. got a little like, wow, you actually, I, you actually heard the words that you've probably heard before, but I really made you hear them this Mm -hmm. time. You reframed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then after this epic rope scene... Because I don't want to share all your secrets. Yeah. They have to come find you. We did flogging, right? We did yeah. a lot of sensual flogging. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. And then we moved to the the bedroom, right? Because I was gonna usually at the dungeon, I'd have a table or a mm-hmm. padded table I could throw mm-hmm. you up on mm-hmm. and do mm-hmm. sensation play and stuff like that. But I don't have that here, so I take you to the bedroom. And of course, you know, I like to say I'm a man of integrity. But usually, if someone has to say they're a man of integrity, maybe they're not a man of integrity. But you know, the thing is, is I realize that when women put themselves in this situation with me, whether it's at the dungeon or in a in a play dungeon socially or wherever, you know, they're trusting me not to rape them. They're trusting me not to assault them because I'm going to have you in a very, you know, ass up, face down, tied down, can't move. I could pretty much do whatever I want with you, mm-hmm. but I really honor. I think submission takes a lot of strength too. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. You're on all fours and you have to kind of prop yourself up like a plank. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a plank position, right? Yeah. Well, I I laid you, I put you, well, first of all, I threw you on the bed. I'm (laughs) like, get on the bed (laughs) and you laid down on your back. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Roll back over and get on all fours. I was like, I like it. (laughs) And then I tied you up and Uh I I tied your arms together Mm -hmm. because I wanted to put you in the prayer position Mm -hmm. where your hands would be down on Mm -hmm. the ground with your face and your ass would be up in the air. And I think... Something happened. Maybe you could tell me what happened. I tied you up and I zipped you down. Like you were kneeling up and I zipped your hand straight down the bed and your whole body crashed into it and you were like, whoa. Like, yeah, I, I, wasn't, snapped I you. wasn't expecting that because yeah. my body was so used to being in a, a plank position and yeah. I was conditioned that it um, just like created a, a shift. Well, um, one, of the things, the... one of the things I've always noticed is that when you tell someone once you've tied them up to try to get away, that's when they realize I'm really fucking stuck. I cannot get out. Usually most women, when I tie them up, like if we're having sex and I tie them up 
and I say try to get away, the moment they try to get away, they're like, that just became a lot hotter. Because I was like, try to get away. Mm-hmm. You can't. Yeah, I did get hot. Yeah. So that's that's just a little trick out there. Make them try to get away. Like really make them try to get away. And when they can't, then they're mm-hmm. that's when they'll get a little more turned on usually. Mm-hmm. And after that, I think you were experimenting with the, um, the paddle. Right. So you were you you told me to count. That's right. You right. did that like twice. The right. first was the flog. Uh-huh. The second time floggers. with the, the floggers. Uh-huh. And then the second time with the the paddle. Right. So I'm like, like, yeah. <laughs> can I, you guys hear what it? I would do, what I would do is I'd smack her really hard. And I had a I have a thuddy paddle. It's like uh-huh. very padded, but well, I can flip it over and make it very stingy. But the thing is, so is, what's the difference between stinging and thuddy? Thuddy is like thuddy is like a closed fist punching, and then and then stingy is more like an open hand. Open hand. Making that yeah, like okay. sharp noise. Yeah. And it just depends on what you're using. But um, I would sit there and hit you as hard as I – well, I went out as hard as I could. But oh. I, I would hit you hard and then you would have to say the number before I could hit right. you again. And pretty soon it was like 10. I'd hit her 10, 9. And then when I hit you real good, you were like 8. I was like, all right, now and, we're somewhere. And then when we were close to the end – You were expecting – I was expecting it to go right away and there was so much silence – yeah, because like right I, I think at the end I was like five, four, three, because I wasn't hitting you as hard. I was getting you to ramp mm-hmm. up and count fast. Mm-hmm. Five, mm-hmm. four, three, mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. And I just held it. You and held it? Yeah. And I was like, <gasps> I was just breathing a lot harder. Yeah. I felt like my the hairs on my, my neck were oh, standing did. up. I saw oh, my God. All, yeah. Well, what it is is the anticipation of that. I mean, I built in this pattern in you that you knew that when you said a number, a smack was coming. And so... You got into like just calling out the number because I wasn't smacking you too hard. You weren't like eight and and then all of a sudden the pattern stopped mm-hmm. and you were just hanging out there. Mm-hmm. Look, BDSM is – look, you can do all the flogging, rope tying, all that other stuff. But BDSM is about the mind. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's about the mind. It, that's all it is. Pain, pleasure. I'm activating pain and pleasure responses in your brain, you know? It's about exciting those areas. Yeah. And also, we kind of, you talked about the root chakra when it got to my feet. Yeah. See, a lot of times people don't play with the feet. And I'm like, everything I do to your ass, I'm going to do it to your feet. That's interesting. I've never thought that I had any foot things. Oh, yeah. Because um, I think most were, people don't. Most people are like, what are you doing? Yeah. I know we're jumping from some, because there's just so many things that happen in this in this whole scene. Um, but there is a lesson for for me that I wanted to share with the audience. Um, so I was learning about my body. I was learning that like there was so much resistance in my heart because I was resisting. You're like you're not you're not like surrendering, and I could feel that everything was tense. I was in my mind, but it was not fully in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I discovered my feet, you're talking about the root chakra. And you were using the vampire gloves. You put all of your, all of the, the full hand mm-hmm. on my the feet, the palm of your hand on my foot. And I but pressed down really hard. Really hard. But it, it wasn't that intense right. until you use a little bit of the, the fingers. Right. Well, what I did is I just put one finger, the middle finger down, and then you lit up like a Christmas tree. You just started squealing like crazy. But then that is I, so I would, interesting. But then I would use my index finger, nothing. That but is then when so I pulled it up and I used the, the middle finger, you just lit up. It was the middle amazing. finger. Yeah. 
I don't know what, like the index finger is the pointy finger, yeah, right? The yeah, pointy the middle finger. finger is, that is yeah. interesting how a subtle change of the finger will change like the whole trajectory of the person's response. That's also because you're focused. You are focused on that part of your body because I've made you focus. Mm-hmm. And you have all your focus there. And it was a form of acupuncture. Like their foot yeah. has so many nerve endings mm-hmm. and it relates to the different parts of the body. And internally. sometimes I have to hold that foot down so the person won't get away. I always say when someone's ticklish, mm-hmm. they're actually – their body is saying, hey, I can't handle something. Mm-hmm. Something isn't right. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm going to do a, a class on this talking about sensuality. A lot of times when people are ticklish, I really feel it's the body or that part of the body isn't comfortable with what's about mm. to happen. And there are ways to get the body to, to calm down and accept that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm stopping you there because there's something that you said that's coming up for me. Uh-huh. You were saying that um, something about my heart is relates to like a, a charge and then you you, you well, no i was talking about your your power center the third okay, chakra because if, the, i want to okay pause so there's something that i kept doing where i put my hands near my crotch right like oh, i oh, no, yeah when i when when i would tell you to stand still mm-hmm. or stand yeah you would always take your hands and cover up your third and second chakra you mm-hmm. would always cover those up you would sit there, like, you know, like some people standing there with their arms in front of kind them. Kind of like in a scared position, right? Yeah. Isn't that where, yeah. like, a lot of people put, mm-hmm. like, fear? Shame, like, shame, like, all that mm-hmm. comes in there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I had to, I kept on having to tell you, put your hands at your side. But you kept covering that up. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because you feel like sometimes you have a lack of power. Yeah. You know, and that's probably why you were guarded. That's probably why and you were And sometimes I would go. hold my belly. Yeah. Because I was, like, I had some shame around my solar right. plexus. And when I'm doing body work, when I'm doing, uh, I can't use the word sexological, it's trademarked, but I do something. Uh, when I do a sensual, sexual type of body work, I do find those places on the stomach and the breast and those places that most women are not happy about. And I, I try to release the tension and the, the garbage that's in that tissue. And that can be a very releasing kind mm-hmm. of thing. But go ahead, I'm sorry. But like, but like if your power center is blocked. I, I'm sorry, I love Untethered Soul, Michael A. Singer. If you haven't read the book, read it, it'll change your life. But if, if that energy is blocked, that means the energy can't come from your root, through your second, through your power, and into your heart where you can really love. So if, if, if when you put your hands in front of you, you actually, your shoulders roll forward and it closes off your mm-hmm. heart. Yeah, it's so interesting. And then you because, can't love. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm getting so excited right now because right after you left i noticed that my body started to convulse into that position and i caught myself and i'm like wait a minute what's going on because you psychologically changed um the paradigm like something i, I reprogrammed well, you reprogrammed my well, neurology I, and my- I yeah i what i like i said i like to crack crack you open mm-hmm. dump in new information mm-hmm. and then close you back up mm-hmm. so i'm glad that the programming like look it's about awareness most of our issues in life we don't even know we're doing it like with you with the hands in front of you or the, you know, we don't even know we're doing it. And so sometimes it just takes someone to get our attention because your mind is always going to 90 miles an hour. So sometimes you just need to have someone slow you down, stop, focus. And, and breathe. Mm-hmm. And place and re- your hand on your heart. And re- yeah, and reprogram. Mm-hmm. We'll reprogram. So now we're getting ready for the last piece of this. Right. This okay. So, so trigger warning. Right. Trigger warning. Um 
remember I asked you, I said, can I surprise you with something just to see what happens? Yeah. Um, now keep in mind, when I do this, I'm being very, very careful. But part of it is I'm now going to really fuck with you. And so what I did... <sighs> See, as is, you're talking about it, like yeah, I'm starting to feel yeah, sensations right, of that. Yeah. Right. Now, I asked you if I could surprise you with something. Um, it's not that I just surprised you with something. It's very clear in the negotiation. I wanted to make sure it was okay to at least be a hell yes to surprise you. Mm-hmm. And you could always say yellow done no mm-hmm. fuck no mm-hmm. whatever you can and, and you said red means what red means stop punch it okay well and everyone has different ways i like to say yellow means check in stop check in with me something's either wrong or something's going good like it could be hey i really love what you're doing but can you hit the other ass cheek now because i'm really sore on that side or it could be harder more please or it could be hey can we go back to that other thing right now look some doms would be like fuck you i'm gonna do what i want to you right now and that's great if that's your dynamic that's fine. But just when I'm doing more pro work, I tend to be a little more, unless they want a brutal interrogation scene where I'm just fucking just, but anyway, I asked you. And so what I did is I took out a couple of Gil Hibbard. Um, I hope I said that right. Just don't email and say, oh, you didn't get that right. But he makes some of the best throwing knives in the world. And I pulled two of them out and they're very sharp. And right by your ear, I started scraping and doing that sharpening like whick, whick. And rubbing the blades together. This is what you want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. And I started, and look right now, you're even changing right now. If there was a camera on you, I could tell. <laughs> but what I like to do is, is because. And so you were talking about the blade. Yeah. And so what I like to do is so many times when you're doing BDSM or whatever, people forget about all the senses, right? Yeah, you're doing touch, but what about sound and breath and smell and taste? And hearing so a lot of times what i'll do is i put it right up next to your ear and you hear that scraping grinding kind of sound shing shing and all of a sudden people don't know what it is or they're like it sounds like a knife being sharpened and then of course all the stories everything starts to to come in i saw you just kind of like raise your shoulders up I was like okay this is gonna be it's gonna be interesting let's just let her sit in this noise Mm -hmm. and then i think you basically were like yellow or you said yellow 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 or something like that. And then I just started and then, crying. And then I, well, actually, and I think maybe it wasn't, maybe you didn't say yellow. I can't remember what it was, but I knew right away. No, I did not say yellow. Yeah, I could tell right away something was wrong, and I was like, okay. And then you started crying, and I was like, cool, we just hit a trigger. Awesome. And you I'm said put the knives you down. can say yellow as well. Yeah, and I called yellow. I'm like, yellow, okay, we're not using these anymore. And But then it was time to deal with the trigger. It was mm-hmm. time to deal with that. And... Uh, the thing I always say is when someone starts crying, that's a release of energy. There is tension. There is some shit leaving that just came up. And it's either going to stay in them or they're going to let it go. And by crying, you let it go. And I always give my submissives permission to stop and bawl, cry, let it out. I One time I was playing, I had a, I had a little one and uh, she was sleeping and I bought her a milkshake and she likes to go into like baby girl mode. Now when I say that, it doesn't mean she dresses up in diapers. She just likes to be in that that kind of daughter-daddy kind of relationship. Um, and I brought her a shake uh, a week earlier, and she never she didn't finish it. And I was like, hey, that shake cost like $8. It was a really good shake. You got to finish it. And she came over, and we did some stuff, and she went to take a nap, and I got her another shake, and she didn't finish it. And I was like, all right, this will be a good opportunity to be a you know, daddy. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, I pulled out my belt, and I was just going to spank her and like you know punish her for not finishing her shake. And it's all super playful. And I woke her up. I snapped the belt together and I woke her up. 
And I was like, you didn't finish your shake, did you? And she's like, no. And, and you know, she was kind of like, you know, joking back. And I was like, you know what this means. It's going to mean a spanking for you. And I bent her over and I spanked her and she shaked her little butt and I spanked her some more and then she sat down and then all of a sudden I was like, her face started changing and she was like, Paul, I'm like, what? She goes, can we not do that anymore? And I'm like, yeah, of course. What, what's going on? She goes, my mom used to wake me up like that to spank me with a belt and she just lost, like she didn't even, she hadn't thought about that in forever and she just started bawling Mm. and I scooped her up and I held her and she cried for 30 minutes and I kept begging her to let it go because she was embarrassed. So many times when someone starts to cry in front of you, they get really embarrassed mm-hmm. and they get really like, oh no. And I'm like, no, let it out. I'm going to create this safe container for you to just let it the fuck out. Like we were being playful and boom, something came up. Like I wasn't trying to trigger you with the knives. I was just trying to get you dialed into your senses. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, so to speak into. Oh, and let me finish. Yeah. Sorry. You're, I, I'm sorry. I just want to say you're very articulate, like incredibly to the T, very descriptive. Oh, thank you. I appreciate uh-huh. it. Um, we got done with her crying or about took about 30 minutes for her to calm down. We were resting and she turned to me and goes, we need to do more of that because it was such a cathartic release. Like I said, when people laugh and giggle or when they cry, mm. there is a release happening. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a release of energy. Mm. that has been stuck. And she was like, we need to do that again. That, um, mm. that was so cathartic right now. Before that happened, I wanted a vibrator up my... Oh, right. Before the knife, you wanted me to play... Uh, you wanted me to put a vibrator to you or something. And I said, well, this is something Hudsey taught me a long time ago. When you're in negotiation, if you talk about, like, is sex on the table? And if someone says, no, sex is not on the table, or I don't want to be penetrated, or I don't want this or that, then it doesn't happen. Even if in the middle of the scene, someone who said, I don't want sex, all of a sudden, they're in sub-drop. They've... You know, all the blood has rushed to their pussy because I've been whacking it with a riding crop. And all of a sudden they're horny and they're like, fuck me. And I'm like, nope. You said specifically that you didn't want to get fucked. And right now you're in subspace. And I don't know if you can consent because you are so drunk on whatever you're drunk on right now that I can't. And that's where a lot of guys get into trouble. The girl's like, I want to fuck you now. And I'm like, okay, let's end the scene. Wait a couple hours. Let you come down, and then we can discuss sex. Mm-hmm. Especially with someone. Now, if it's your girlfriend, and you guys have established this, you do it all. That's fine. But I always like to say, even if it's someone who you know, and they say, "I don't want sex to be on the table. I don't want to be penetrated." No matter what they do in that scene, do not fucking do it. No matter how much they beg, tell them next time. We'll do it next time. Because mm-hmm. three hours later, you're going to be like, fuck, I didn't really want to do it. I was just in the moment. How many times do we do things and we're just, we're on, we got sex brain, right? Mm-hmm. And so as much as I would have loved to have put a vibrator to you, I'm like, nope, we're not doing it. You mm-hmm. didn't want that. Yeah. And so eventually when I realized the exhaustion and the, the vibrator was actually coming from like, I actually need to release a memory. So when you pulled out those knives, I went into a memory when I was seven because there was this girl named Valerie. And before that, he was like, you're in your head. I kept thinking about this Amy Winehouse song. And I'm like, I don't know why I keep thinking about it. Turns out, synchronicity, that the girl, her name was Valerie and she pulled the knife on me. I literally thought I was going to die. So when I heard those knives, I was terrified. And something in my nervous system just shocked. And it was, uh, I was going through the fight, flight, or freeze 
mode. Uh-huh. And that's when I just like lost it. And I know that you're safe. Like I know mentally, spiritually, I'm like looking at you, you're safe. Except in my reptilian brain, as we talked about before, I went somewhere else. Right. Like now, I coiled like a little snake. Well, and, and trauma, if I read a book called The Body Keeps the Score. There are a lot of great books yeah. on trauma. But essentially when someone, when a trigger occurs and you're going through like PTSD, you literally go back to that moment and it is like you were there. It is like all of a sudden someone just snapped a finger and you were in that situation. You were in the car crash. You were getting shot at. You are, you, you literally went back and jumped into your seven-year-old body and could see the knife and it was very real to you. So a lot of times when people are having trauma, they don't even know that they're not with you anymore. Mm-hmm. They're gone. They're in the trauma. They're in that moment. And uh, so that's a good thing to recognize you know, when someone's having a really bad trigger moment, Mm -hmm. something comes up they weren't expecting or something, so. Yeah, and after that, that's when we kind of, like, transition into, like, maybe a few things. I think I did some vampire gloves. Vampire gloves. Well, first of all, I checked in with you to see if you wanted to keep going and everything. We had, had like, a little break. Mm -hmm. Um, You used the vampire gloves. And then we did aftercare, which was really, like, very tender. Yeah. And, yeah, that was... That was like the scene. Yeah. So again, thank you so much, Mr. Shaw. Yeah, Mr. Shaw. And Mr. <laughs> and Shaw.top. Mr. Shaw.top. So is there any last few words or like last few messages you want to share to the BDSM community? And how can people find you? Well, I'll share this with the vanilla community. Okay, let's talk lo- to the vanilla community. Well, there are a lot of people the that, are, that Yeah, there are a lot of people that are getting into BDSM. They've watched Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever. And I always say, don't do anything till you take a class. I've taken like eight classes on flogging. That's why I flogged you really well today because I and I practice. I've taken like literally probably four classes on spanking. Because you can take an hour-long class in spanking or you can take a two-and-a-half-hour class taught by Snow Mercy about spanking and impact play and those kind of things. And I don't think you should spank until you've learned from somebody how to spank. You really shouldn't. You should not do fire play until you've not only learned but really fucking mm-hmm. know your shit. Because you can really hurt someone. You can really even, – even though I went through a 20-month rope program, I still had a situation where someone got nerve damage. No on a, way. A, yeah, on a photo shoot. And so the thing is, is, look, this stuff is dangerous. It is not Don't try safe. it at home, kids. Yeah. I mean, I mean, electric play, um, you know, are you going to, you're going to shock someone who has a pacemaker? Do you, do you know to even ask if they have a pacemaker? Or, you know, the thing is, is um, there are so many things that can hurt you. Um, and there's so many things out there to explore. Get training. I always say, even if you want to spank someone, learn how to do it. Because if you spank someone on the top of the tailbone, you could rip skin. You could really hurt them. But I've, I've seen a lot of people who didn't know what they're doing start spanking. Spanking in the wrong place, hitting the kidneys, mm-hmm. you know, hitting the tailbone. You need to learn proper techniques. So don't do anything until you've learned how to do it. And then practice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. And I definitely feel like we went really deep and we kind of merged the the spiritual and the BDSM and I feel so healed. Like, you know, as a testimonial, I, my experience is you brought me back to a little girl and you just like loved her up so much and we need more of this. I really feel like you definitely have a superpower. So I really am grateful to have you on this episode and well, and things are going to come up for you tonight, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Things are going to 
you know, you'll there's going to be like you're completely different now about this scene than you were right after the scene because you were worried about getting onto your next your next appointment and stuff, and so you didn't have time. But now it's kind of laying into you, and and uh, that's what that's the great thing about BDSM. Sometimes a session can last for a week. It felt like I was it. It felt like hours, and it was actually like two hours. Yeah. I feel like time just stopped. It was great, and yeah. and now later, if you want a vibrator taken to your pussy, <laughs> we'll discuss that in, in the in the in the in the negotiation, and then that's when you do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to help yeah, the guys out. Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So, yeah. how can people find you? So, well, more, Mr. More... Mr. Shaw okay. dot top on Instagram. Uh, yes, on Instagram, on it's Mr. Shaw on Facebook, I think, but it's on Instagram is Mr. Shaw dot top. My website is Mr. Shaw dot top, and. Uh, and my um, my email is mr dot shot hush dot com. I can do encrypted email if you want. That's mr dot shaw at hush dot com. So yeah, I love talking about this. I'm going to be hopefully doing some classes soon. And and if you have a small group that wants to get together and do BDSM 101 and and learn basic spanking and flogging and learn more about BDSM, I can do house parties and all kind. Of, I love teaching about this. So. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So thank you again, Mr. Shaw. Dot top. And today I really am very, very grateful that we got to experience this and sharing it to the vanilla community, to the people still discovering it, because you never know, the expert is always a beginner. And if you are someone who is dominant, I really invite you to try on being a submissive because it's so much more than you letting go of control. You get to examine different parts of you. You get to examine maybe the seven-year-old you. Maybe you get to examine that you are a brat. You know, from my experience, I learned that I'm bratty and maybe that's because I have so many rules in my subconscious that I don't know how to... That's a very good point. A lot of times I think that's a really good that's a really good uh realization that sometimes you have so many rules it takes the fun out of everything. It takes the fun out of everything. So sometimes when you go into these dark spaces, these dark places, we just want to be like, you know what? I just want to feel like human. I want to feel like I can bark like a dog. I'm not saying that I bark, but I think I squealed a few times. You, yeah, oh, you squealed a couple times, <laughs> like a really good squeal. But like you know, people do puppy play and they dress up like dogs and they, they roll around on the ground and, and bat balls around. And if you ever watch people doing puppy play, it's the most adorable. If you see a, a woman dressed as a little kitten and she's batting a little ball of string, she goes into being a five-year-old. My five-year-old niece, when she came for Christmas, like, raw, 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 she was barking and raw, 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 raw. so the, the thing is, is these people can go back and drop into being a kid again. God damn, what the hell is wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Go be a kid again. Play with a ball of string. Go Shit. play with a ball of string. Yeah, go play with a ball of string. That's Or go see Mr. Shaw. <laughs> so again, thank you, sexy souls. I love you so very much. And please hear this full episode again on iTunes and SoundCloud. So thank you guys. Love you very much. Mwah.